0: In the middle of sentences loaded with action, healing suffering people, casting out devils, responding to impatient disciples, traveling from town to town, preaching from synagogue to synagogue, we find these quiet words. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the center of breathless activity, we hear a restful breathing. Surrounded by hours of moving, we find a moment of quiet stillness. In the heart of much involvement, there are words of withdrawal. In the midst of action, there's contemplation. And after much togetherness, there's solitude. The more I read these nearly silent sentences locked in between the loud words of action, the more I have the sense that the secret of Jesus' ministry lay hidden in that lonely place where he went to pray early in the morning long before dawn. This is how Henry Nouwen describes the way Jesus included the biblical practice of meditation in his daily life. Meditation. Meditation is one type of prayer. It's a subset of the larger category of prayer, which might include things like adoration and confession and intercession and the like. Meditation is a way of praying. It's one of the tools you should have in your spiritual toolbox, something that you can use to combat the anxieties and the stresses that come our way. It's been our focus over the last few weeks to try to understand how our faith relates to this world of anxiety that we live in, and we've been using Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine as sort of a template for helping us to understand how does faith make a difference as we deal with our anxieties and fears, and we've sort of summarized what we've been learning with this acronym CALM, C-A-L-M, to celebrate the nearness of God, to ask God in prayer, to leave everything with the Lord, and today's letter is M for meditate. Would you please read with me off the screen Philippians 4, verses eight and nine, where Paul vividly describes what Christian meditation is all about. Let's read together. You see, Jesus lived a very busy life. Far from being some secluded monastic figure, Jesus rubbed elbows with all kinds of people every day. From sunup to way past sundown, people were putting all kinds of demands on him. Heal this, help with that, come to our village, teach over here, do what we want you to do. It was like he was walking through a a flock of ducks wearing pants made out of bread. You know, People were just pecking at him constantly. The pressures on him were tremendous to the to-do list that other people wanted to set for Jesus was very long. So it would have been very easy for him to get distracted from what the Father had called him to do. So many voices competing for his attention. It would have been easy to lose focus, to kind of just run around and try to meet everybody else's needs. But then end up missing out on God's bigger purpose for his life. Tremendous pressure to cave in to the urgent, rather than to stay focused on the important. To try and do everything maybe in his own strength rather than the strength that God would provide. It was in that quiet place alone with the Father at the beginning of the day where Jesus found his center, his focus, his peace. Everything about his life flowed out of that divine center. A life of amazing power and peace and serenity. A life of confidence and effectiveness. It was that centered life that gave Jesus the courage to follow the Father's will and not his own, to to speak the Father's words and not his own, to do the Father's work and not his own. He reminded his disciples in John 5.30, I can do nothing by myself. My aim is to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John uh, 14.10, The words I say to you I do not speak as from myself. It is the Father living in me who is doing this work. And it was that centered, focused life that I think was so attractive to his disciples. We misunderstand the practice of meditation if we think it means you gotta run off and live in a cave somewhere. Quit your job, become a monk. We misunderstand the purpose of meditation if we think you can only really do it when you're on vacation, when you're walking a beach or a mountain path. We misunderstand the power of meditation if we think we have to wait until all our worries and all our plans and activities cease and then we'll find time to be alone with God. You know, when the kids are grown, when the job settles down a bit, when you finally have more time. Folks, that time will never come. Friends, Jesus does not respond to our busy, worried-filled life by saying that we should not be so busy with our worldly affairs. He does not try to pull us away from all the many things that we're doing that make up our days. He doesn't tell us that those things aren't necessary or unimportant. Jesus never suggests that we should become hermits, that we should withdraw from the complexities of this modern world, or wait until we're in some kind of a spiritual rest home until finally we can commune with him. Jesus' response to our high-pressured lives is different. He asks us to shift our point of gravity, to relocate the center of our attention. Like with Martha, remember she gets so caught up with her preparations in the kitchen, that she misses out on Jesus' teaching in the living room. And so Jesus says that we should move from the many things to the one necessary thing. Jesus in no way wants us to leave the complex world we live in. He wants us to live in it, but firmly rooted in him as the center of all things. Jesus never speaks of a change of activities or a change of schedule or even a change of space. He speaks of a change of heart. And it's that change of heart that makes everything else different. This change of heart happens through the practice of Christian meditation. A daily encounter with God at the beginning or at the end of the day that sets our agenda for the day or the following day. Now, in evangelical and Bible-based churches, we often hear about having a daily quiet time, a time of quiet with the Lord, but well, what that typically means is we kind of skim over a devotional reading from a book that's about a paragraph long. We say a quick, uh, quick prayer, and then we down that second cup of coffee, and we're out the door. It's spiritual fast food, something we gulp down without even tasting it, and it's not very nourishing. Someone said that Christian meditation should be like the soul's chewing, slowly savoring each bite returning to the same thing over and over again. Kind of like a dog just gnawing on a bone. Just really working on it, no rush. It is a being with God rather than a doing for God. Not asking for anything, just being in God's presence. Not accomplishing anything else except that. Meditation is not spiritual fast food, it's the opposite. And this is one place where I am convinced that we need to follow Jesus' example. He did it early in the morning. First thing, before all the demands of the day come rushing in, all the distractions and pressures, Jesus first talked with the Father. He found his center and then he lived out of that center the rest of the day. Now I know some people will automatically object and say it doesn't have to be in the morning, and you're right, it's really whatever works for you. You can have a time of meditation later on in the day or right before you go to bed. But I firmly believe that every Christian needs to connect with the Lord in some simple but meaningful way at the beginning of the day. To me, this is indispensable and I think non-negotiable. Otherwise, you know, you just blow through your day without ever feeling connected with Christ. Doesn't have to be long, but it needs to be a part of the pattern of your everyday. The 19th century Boston preacher Henry Ward Beecher said it this way, the first hour of waking is the rudder that guides the whole day. And I believe that. The first hour kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. If you roll out of bed, you're rushed, you're distracted, running out the door, that's going to color the rest of your day. You'll be more anxious, frustrated, desperate for caffeine. I know for me personally, when I get up, when I get with the Lord for even a few minutes early in my day, the rest of the day just goes better. I think clearer, my attitude is better, I handle pressures more effectively, I get more done, I seem like I have more time, I have a greater sense of God's presence throughout the day. So being with the Lord early in the day is really better for me than taking vitamins. My pattern is to try and just open my mind to the Lord while I walk my dog around the block. It's just 10 minutes to say good morning Lord and then to listen a few precious minutes to center my heart and set the tone for the rest of the day. And when I miss it, because I'm too lazy or it's raining or it's too cold, whatever my excuse might be, if I miss it, I feel it the rest of the day. But if I make this investment of time to be with Jesus for just a few minutes, then I, if I don't do that, I feel like I'm playing catch up the rest of the day. So here's the thing, meditation requires discipline requires practice. The Apostle Paul tells us this. He says whatever is true, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, all the rest, says put that into practice. You need to practice your spiritual life. This means at some level, meditation is a skill that you can learn. It's a skill that you can improve on By practice, like learning how to drive a car, swing a golf club, or bake a cake, or, or play a video game, you can get better at it the more you practice. This life of lesser anxiety that we've been talking about, that we're all hoping for, friends, it will not happen by itself. It will take effort on your part. Consistent, positive effort. And being with the Lord early in your day, it's going to require discipline and practice on your part because we're all creatures of habit. We already have habits firmly established for how we start the day, and not all of those are good habits. So spending time with the Lord in a quiet, undisturbed way to kind of center your life, this is not an easy thing to do. You have to make it a habit, because this type of meditation is a skill that you can improve on, and with time, it becomes easier, becomes less of a chore, and more just a part of your normal life. You begin to experience the benefits of a life centered on Christ, and that will motivate you to do it more. But daily discipline must be a part of your discipleship. Now, if we were to rank our congregation on where we are in practicing spiritual disciplines, I'm not sure where I would put us. I don't know. But I'm willing to bet that if your time alone with Christ is haphazard or maybe non-existent, then I'd be willing to to, to, to bet that you don't feel like you're growing as a believer, that you're just kind of treading water with your faith. I hope you will receive this as maybe a gentle rebuke because I care about you and your spiritual health and growth, you and Christ together for just a few minutes to center your life, calm your mind, slow your breathing, and then infuse your thoughts with all those positives that Paul talks about. That's how you begin to experience the peace of God. That's what Paul is telling us. So let me just be clear about what Christian meditation is. Simply put, it's the ability to quiet our hearts long enough so that we can hear God's voice and then obey his word. Quiet our hearts long enough so that we can hear God's voice and then obey his word. There's no secret incantations, no special mantras, no unusual body postures, no esoteric flights into the cosmos. Like Adam and Eve who simply talked with God as they walked in the garden. That kind of conversation with God, it's actually our natural state. The natural state of our being that is now long lost but is still deeply longed for within our hearts. Just to be with Christ and it's different from Eastern forms of meditation or even what we call mindfulness today. In Eastern meditation coming out of Hinduism and Buddhism, the purpose is to empty the mind. Empty the mind of all thoughts and just focus on a single word or on a sound or on a bell or something like that. It's like a big eraser for the brain. Just wipe everything out. And there is some value to that kind of discipline, but as a Christian, you should never stop there. You shouldn't stop with just an empty mind. The purpose of Christian meditation is not to empty the mind, but to fill it. To fill it with all the goodness and the beauty of God. Eastern forms of meditation teach that the goal is detachment. You detach from the world, from the people and the problems and the desires. In fact, the whole point of Buddhism is to live a life of total detachment. You just don't want anything. You don't have any desires or or needs or anything. That's how you get rid of anxiety is become like this this stoic person who just doesn't feel, who has no desires. But what a sad way to live that would be, completely detached from the world and the people around you. In Christian meditation, it's okay to empty the mind of distractions so that you can then fill it with the good things of God. The goal of Christian meditation is is not an empty mind, but greater attachment to Christ, attachment to him. For followers of Christ, meditation is not just a way to smooth out your brain waves or to correct your biorhythms or whatever. There may be physical benefits to it, but that is not the purpose of Christian meditation. The purpose of Christian meditation is to love God and to know him better. The goal is to fill your mind with the good things of God so that you might experience greater attachment to Jesus Christ. And this kind of meditation is not a new idea. It's not some modern fad. Meditation is taught throughout the Bible. Fifty-eight times the word is used in the Old Testament. Let me give you a few examples. Joshua 1.8, where God says to Joshua as he takes over the reins of leading the nation of Israel, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it, day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditating on God's word, letting it sink deep into your life. This is more than just Bible study. It's not about just getting more information. It's about the truth of God permeating your heart and your mind. Psalm 77, verse 12. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Here the psalmist is meditating on God's creation, the beauty of nature, a sunrise, an ocean, a mountain, all the beautiful things that God has given to us in nature. That's another way to guide your meditation, to meditate on God's word, to meditate on the beauty of God's creation. Or Psalm 119, verse 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night and I meditate on your promises. First, it's nice to know that even the psalmist had trouble sleeping through the night sometimes. That gives me comfort. He's awake, it's the middle of the night, and so he fills his mind with the promises of God. Now, he can only know the promises of God if he has studied scripture, so that kind of goes hand in hand here, but he's not opening a Bible while he's lying in bed at night. He's remembering. He's remembering all the ways that God has been faithful in his past, all the ways that God has kept his promises, He's filling his mind with the good that God has already done in his life. All the blessings that he's already received. And he's letting those positive thoughts take first place in his mind. He's letting those positive remembrances control the inner dialogue that's going on in his head. Says it again in Psalm 143 verse five. I remember the days of old and I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. Or how about what is probably the most widely known verse in the Bible on the practice of meditation? Psalm one, verses one through three. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in a season, its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. If that doesn't inspire you to consider Christian meditation, I don't know what else will. God connects the practice of meditation with all the blessings that he wants to bestow on your life. This person who practices meditating on God's word, this person is like a tree planted by a stream of water. Fruitful, their leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do, prospers. The Apostle Paul basically said the same thing. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. God is promising you all of his blessings that they come through the spiritual practice of meditation. Meditating on God's word, being that person who isn't content with spiritual fast food, who seeks a regular diet of depth, is filling one's mind and heart with the goodness of Christ, This is what you're missing if meditation is not part of your relationship with the Lord. The emphasis on meditation as a spiritual discipline for Christians, like I said, it's not a new thing. I love the words of David Brainerd, who was a famous uh, missionary to Native Americans right here in New Jersey in the early 1700s, right around the time this church was planted in, uh, in the 1730s. I think maybe he might have even come here, who knows? But he said it this way. In the silences I make, in the midst of the turmoil of life, I have appointments with God. From these silences I come forth with my spirit refreshed and with a renewed sense of power. I hear a voice in the silences and become increasingly aware that this is the voice of God. Oh, how comfortable is a little glimpse of God. I love that last phrase because he captures the goal of Christian meditation. Kind of moves from all the esoteric theological stuff to a radiant daily reality. Because too often we can think of God as being somewhere off in his great white throne, when what we need to do is to remember that Christ is the one who infiltrates the very atmosphere around us. Every word we speak, every action we take, it is known to him. He fills all the nooks and crannies of our minds, and then he drives out the darkness. Meditation is God's antidote for all this sensory overload that we've talked about over the last few weeks, all this constant stimulation, how our anxieties get amped up by our three greatest enemies, noise, hurry, and crowds. Psychiatrist Carl Jung once said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil, and most of us have experienced that during the week. The Apostle Paul says, the way to experience the peace of God is to meditate on the goodness and the good things of God, to fill our minds with Christ, to practice doing this so that we can get better at it. One of the hardest but yet most necessary things to do in our world is to create just a little silent space. It's so hard to do, to have this quiet world of contemplation where we can be alone With Jesus everything in our world will try to prevent you from doing that because it sounds strange to modern ears seems so impossible but the practice of biblical meditation is indispensable for your spiritual life and the peace of God in your heart so find your place a quiet place with no distractions no cell phones no gadgets no people Decide on what posture is best for you. And the Bible describes lots of different ways. People lie on the ground. They stand. They walk. They have their hands raised, their hands folded, their hands open to the Lord. Whatever is a comfortable way for you. But the key is to fill your mind with the goodness of God. His word, the beauty of creation, the good things he's already blessed you with. Whatever is good and right and beautiful in the world, fill your mind with that. Practice doing that day after day. Fill your mind with the goodness and the presence of Christ and the peace of God will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, it sounds so easy to have just a little space in our lives to be alone with you, but the evil one and our world will pummel us with random thoughts, distractions, excuses, reasons why we can't do it. Because the evil one knows that this is a source of power. To be able to experience your peace in our lives when we meditate on your word, when we meditate on the beauty of this world that you've created, when we meditate on how you have already kept your promises as we've sung about today. You've kept your promises in the past and all the many ways that you've already blessed us, Lord. If we fill our minds with those things, your peace will be ours. Make that our reality this week. Help us to practice and get better at it. In your name we pray, amen.